You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John. We have another World Cup throwback special. Whilst there is a World Cup going on in Asia, we're going to look back to the first one held in Asia, held 20 years ago in Korea and Japan. And again, I'm joined by um, the throwback team of Chris and Scott. Thanks, guys. How are you? All, all good. Just yeah, yeah, I'm good. Football. Yeah, I prefer talking about the, the previous World Cups to the, this one, so that's good. Yeah. Although we'll probably end up touching on it later on, um, but the night that we're recording is the Thursday and there was um, a bit of drama which involved one of these co-hosts, but we'll come on to that a bit later. Um, I was reading just before we came on, um, because I, I, I didn't know who else bid for this World Cup, but I didn't actually realise that Japan and South Korea actually were bidding themselves before they were basically asked you're better going together. And Mexico were the only competitor, and well, Mexico had had two previous World Cups, so it was probably right that Asia and these two countries got the first opportunity. Well, the thing is with Mexico, do they not just put it in? Is it them in Morocco? Is he put it in every single year as a, a bid? The two well, of them I was, just. I was going to ask: Did Morocco not go for this one? No, because no, usually no. do. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Morocco were aware there was going to be an African one for the next one, so they right, tried for yeah. that and didn't get that, and then they tried for. They tried for for 2026, I know that much as well, and they tried for the same one America got in 94, so maybe one year Morocco will get their chance. Um, 2030 maybe, although probably should have been this year. Yeah, I won't go into that. Yeah, this this World Cup started an unwanted trend for Scotland because this was the first of six in a row that we've missed out on, having been in six of the previous seven. you know, I don't want to dwell too much into that qualifying campaign, but for me, it etched in two games against Belgium. There's the game at Hamden, which I describe as a 2-0 defeat. The reason why I describe that as a 2-0 defeat is because we we're 2-0 up against half, in, in half an hour against a pretty average Belgium side. And let's be honest, our Scotland side wasn't great either, but we end up throwing that away and drew two each for a last-minute Daniel Van Boyten goal. And then in Belgium, we lost 2-0 in a game we were never at races. Somehow we had more corners. Craig Brown brought that up. Um... But it just wasn't a good performance that night. That that, that comment bookends Craig Brown's um, time as Scotland manager, actually, because he did exactly the same thing when we lost 1 0 in Greece in Euro 96 qualifying, which was his first mm-hmm. campaign. So that, I mean, he, he stepped down after this one, so that was his last. So uh, he seems to bookend his, his career with, with one think, of the corners. I think it's funny because when we look back and we remember the qualifying campaign, they did look a bit like an average Belgian side, but I think this is actually where they start to, to have a bit of an incline and a bit of a... Th- they actually, I mean, Mark Wilmots was a very good player. Wesley Salt was a good striker. 
I mean, it's it's not the the golden generation that they've got today. Although, again, full circle, um, <clears throat> they get papped out the World Cup from Croatia, who also were in our group. Um, but that two-two draw is exactly as you said, John. It was a defeat. It was a two-two defeat because we were pretty much all over them in the first half, from what I can remember. Scored two good goals, um, and then. You know, we're just trying to crawl over the line, and Van Boyten scored. You know, deep. You know, kind of in the last minutes, and there, that was just our campaign never really recovered from that. Yeah, um, Barry Ferguson missed a, a big chance at um to know which um would have put the game um beyond doubt. I, w- I would have thought Billy Dodd scored after what ninety seconds or something. I remember saying to my mate before the game, "Why is he Stanley's hardly played for Rangers this season?" Then within ninety seconds, he shut me up, and I was delighted. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, that Scotland team, there wasn't, apart from Ferguson, there wasn't a lot of great young players coming into that squad um, because a lot of clubs um, had, you know, neglected their youth policy because clubs outside Celtic Rangers were trying to chase Celtic Rangers away. Average foreign guff, Celtic Rangers were also buying the likes of, you know, the likes of Chris Sutton and um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst or Andrew Flo, etc. So it was... Um, Craig Brown was just basically left with no option but to keep playing the likes of Henry and Boyd and guys you look like that. At, you look at our, our goal scorers in the campaign. Top was Billy Dodds with three. Second was Colin Henry. Uh, was that the one? Was that the campaign that elbowed the guy? Was that the yeah, Sandorino? That same game. Ended he his scored, career? Two, he scored two goals in that game. And then he did that. Yeah. yeah. Then it's on one goal each, Colin Cameron, Matt Elliott, Diggy Freeman, Kevin Gallagher, Don Hutchison, Neil McCann and David Weir. And it kind of again shows you, as you say, the kind of there was no real kind of growth from. There's that. a lot of defenders in there. But, Neil McCann's probably come into it at that stage, um, but you know, I think at about that period, Craig Brown just wasn't blood in players. There, he was too loyal to players, and you know, there there is a also an argument that John says that there wasn't a huge amount of talent there to begin with, but. You know, I think there's going to be a few others thrown in. But then Bertie went totally the opposite direction and threw everything <laughs> It's funny because the campaign on the face of it didn't look that bad if you look at the numbers. I mean, we only lost one game and that was in Belgium. We'd, Croatia didn't beat us. We drew twice with them. We drew with Belgium at home, obviously, as we mentioned. We didn't do any of the stupid things that we, we tend to do in more recent campaigns, like drop any points to Latvia or San Marino. But I mean, we won two 0 in San Marino, which is shite to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's where we were lacking, and it kind of played into the the bigger game. So as you say, it came down to those Belgium games and right. the 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 two and two defeat, which bizarrely the Scottish FA were thrown back to today. <laughs> As if it was something to yeah. be celebrating. Yeah. We'll, we'll ignore what happened after the two goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they sent, uh, they've been doing a theme, you know, to show moments against the teams that qualified um, for the World Cup. Um, and, you know, Scottish, uh, from a Scottish that, perspective, and I think they were struggling for one yeah, against was Belgium. That, was that not a bit sadistic? Oh, look at what we've done against teams that actually qualify for a World Cup. That's <laughs> a pattern. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, fair enough, the two of them are playing today, Croatia and Belgium, and uh, Croatia have gone through and Belgium have gone out. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it's kind of the end of the era for Belgium by the looks of it. And that was, yeah. that's totally the opposite of what happened in 2002, and Belgium have a far superior team now than they did in 2002, yeah. yet they got yeah. through. I think to be fair, that Belgium team, they'd, that was their fifth World Cup in a row, Um 
fifth or sixth World Cup in a row, and I think their kind of era at that point was coming to an end, and it wasn't a great Belgium to say, and they didn't qualify for the next few tournaments, as, just, as we mentioned, but um, yeah, it was just annoying from a Scotland point of view, but I think there was a realisation of, um, you know, this is where we're at, and yeah, it was the start of a, um, a tough time for Scotland and let's hope that we get there next time. <laughs> it's funny because I mean in the last sort of couple of tournaments Belgium have gone out to the eventual winners and in this one they went out to Brazil. Mm. Yeah and it was uh, some goal Rivaldo scored in that one. Yeah, yeah that was his yeah. chest he's kind of the Rivaldo-esque goal that you kind of think of with yeah. chests, turns, volleys, smashes it into the back of the net. Because yeah. they, they did move, they qualified quite decent in their, their group and as I say, I watched a documentary and Brazil said that that was one of their harder games, was the Belgium game. So Yeah, I think it was. It was quite tight till late on. Um, in terms of the, um, the players from who were playing in Scottish football at the time that did um, go to the World Cup, so there were seven. Um, there was Peter Kerr of um, Aberdeen, who was back up to Tom Sorensen and whoever else did not have goals at that point. Peter Lovenkranz, um, obviously with the same team, um, don't know if he kicked a ball at the World Cup. I can't remember. Um, Claudia Kinija, um was there as a 34-year-old, having been uh, for Argentina. But I think he gets sent off against Sweden um, without that, even coming on. Yeah, he never played. He never <laughs> played, and he gets yeah. sent off. He gets sent off for remonstrating with the referee, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, that was his. That was his World Cup because Argentina didn't have a great World Cup that that year. But um, no, they certainly did not. And Kinija just. I think threw his toys out of pram and got himself set off before he even kicked a ball. Go out and still. Um, that was in a game against Sweden, who had two Celtic players on the team, Johan Mialbe in defence, and uh, although sometimes he played midfield for Sweden, actually, um, and Henrik Larsson, of course, had a good tournament, and Ulysses de la Cruz, and there was a Chinese player, Fancy High, but as a asterisk as well, there was a 20-year-old future Celtic player in that team called Dewey. Whatever happened to him? Yeah. <laughs> well, there was... Um... Victor Ndai as well, who played for Rangers. He was in the Senegal squad. Right. Um, yeah, there's a so couple of Senegal like the, that were later in Scottish football. Yeah, so it was, it was a bit like the Dewey situation because I think he was like two years out of the game and Paul Le Guin decided that he was worth a contract at Rangers. Um, <laughs> but, but the Bialby the one's interesting when you, you mentioned he played midfield because that's where I first kind of seen Bialby was against England they played in midfield and did really, Scotland, really yeah. well. Um, it was Martin O'Neill that kind of made them play at the back, and it seemed to work out really well for him because until the, like Vengos played them more in, in the, the midfield, which and, I yeah, and he, he was a really oh, good right. centre back as well. You know, <laughs> either played position, he probably was actually more suited um, at centre back. But uh, obviously, the, the cream of the the crop was Larson, um, and it wasn't probably. His finest tournament in terms of maybe numbers and stuff. I think he became more of a talisman for Sweden, kind of 2004. But in the group stages, Larson scored twice as they came from behind against Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, he scored in the game against Senegal. But it was Senegal that won with the golden goal, which was actually two goals in that game from Henri Kamara, who was in the, who was later on last yeah, replacement at Celtic. Um, <laughs> I also that, saw Andy Fine the um, Senegal squad. <laughs> just full of former SPFL. Yeah, I think there were SPFL at that yeah. time. I think um, Fine was done by the time he went to Rangers. To be fair, 
again, he did, he did okay. Walter Smith was like a very kind of strange. I remember him playing centre back against Celtic after they were playing, and then just had a decent game. Um, but yeah, I think quite a few of those players. Lovin Kranz, as, as you said, I don't think touched the ball. He played more in Euro 2004. Uh, so I, I don't think the Scottish base players had the, the greatest of tournaments, probably, apart from the Swedish boys. Have yeah. ever managed to mention Senegal and Scottish based players in the future and not mention El Hazjuf? Because this is oh, a yeah. tournament that made them. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's, yeah, but. I suppose we could then talk about that first game because that's kicked the tournament off in quite sensational style. Senegal beating world champions France. Was this the start of the the curse of the, the holders? Which only really Brazil have avoided. Well, France have now avoided it mm-hmm. by going out in the group stages. But aye, the, the opening game was a 1-0 win. Uh, Bubba Diop, who sadly no longer with us. Yeah, three yeah, years ago. Yes. Yeah. Well, he got the only goal in the game. But yeah, Jeff had caused him so much problems with his pace. He got down was it the left wing, crossed it. Bates, you know, if you've seen the goal recently, but Bates yeah. slides about and you don't know <laughs> where he's going or what he's doing. He's just made himself small and put himself away from the goal. It's ridiculous. And it's a kind of easy kind of tapping in the end. Um, but Senegal well deserved that that win. They were much the better team from what I can remember that game. The, the one now flattered France, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, Senegal were up for it. I know that France were without Zidane because he um, picked up an injury. Um, I think a bigger, um, just as big a miss at that time was Robert Pires because he was outstanding with Arsenal, but he broke his leg against, I think it was Aston Villa broke his leg against. They two were pivotal to that France team at that point, um, but they still should have had enough quality to do better than what they did. I mean, to go out without even scoring and Thierry Henry made no impression. He got himself sent off against Uruguay as well, and not a great Uruguay side at that. Um, it was just a, a dreadful tournament but, um, for them, but for Senegal, I mean, they were outstanding in that game, and they thoroughly deserved their win, and deserved to go through, even though the last game, there was a bit of a... Um, there was a bit of a worry for because they were three up and then against Uruguay, and then it came back to 3-3, and Uruguay had a great chance the last minute, but they headed the ball wide, but you don't begrudge Senegal that luck on that day. Yeah, that was another, another two from Bubba Diop that day as well. Mm-hmm. Aye, he was certainly outstanding. Um, I, I mean, I suppose a lot of people would have been having a look at um, Republic of Ireland as well. Um, but yeah. Roy Keane, um, the famous walkout, um, he then became the most, the, the, his dog became the most walked dog in Britain at that point. This <laughs> kind news just seemed to just focus on his dog all through this tournament. Um, they coped reasonably well with it. I mean, they got through to the next round. Um, I still think they should have beaten that Germany. See, I, I think Oliver Kahn was the main reason they did not beat Germany. In fact, Oliver yeah. Kahn and Michael Ballett were the two main reasons Germany got to that final, to be brutal. Yeah. I don't think it was a great German team, but they got the luck of the draw and made, made more, uh, use of it. They they played to the strengths that they had, but they they, they did have those weaknesses. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, Ireland was I mean, with Scotland not being there. I've, this is the tournament I start looking at my ancestry again, and I've done it through uh, ever since. There was Ireland and there was Poland at this tournament. I'll come back to Poland because Ireland. I remember that uh, the Irish fans saying you'll never beat the Irish in this tournament, and technically, never nobody did. They came through qualifying, which had a Dutch side in it. 
mm-hmm. and they were four points ahead of the Dutch side. And both Portugal and Ireland came through unbeaten. Mm-hmm. So they get to the tournament. The famous that... James Jason McAteer goal. Yeah, yeah. I, so the they played Cameroon in the first game, which I've got absolutely no recollection of because I had an exam that day. Um, I, I went. Side note here, I went to university between World Cups. So when I've mentioned the '98, I would just finish school. The 2002 one, I had exams in the first couple of days of this tournament, so I don't remember the the Ireland Cameroon game at all. I remember hearing that Germany had jumped Saudi Arabia eight 0 but so the the first couple of days is about hazy to me. But then I remember. A few of my mates had another exam on the day that Ireland were playing Germany. So I was going to meet them to go after their exam was finished to celebrate the exam was being done. So I went into the, the, I went to Glasgow University, so I went to the QMU and watched the Ireland-Germany game in there. And then I, my best memory of this entire tournament is the place going absolutely ballistic when Robbie Keane gets that late equaliser. It was fantastic. I mean, like you say though, Ireland battered Germany in that game and Oliver Kahn stopped them. Until that got, very last injury time, McMurray. Yeah. But you got all the way back to kind of qualifying again, and you were talking about the, the Dutch game. Is that not like Roy Keane's best game, from what I can remember, in an Ireland shot? That he not absolutely bossed that midfield. And then you think of how pivotal he was. And then, and he, I mean, listen, I, I have no idea what happened in Saipan, but you, I, I have a weekend of thing that it just could have been... He could have smoothed things over. There was obviously something that would be boiling inside him for a long time, whether it was the, the training, of the, the way the Irish FA dealt with situations or Mick McCarthy or everything put, put in together. But you do feel as though, for whatever reason, he cut his nose off despite his face and he did actually, and he could have enjoyed a World Cup where he was at his peak rather than... 94, he was coming into it. Obviously, he enjoyed 94. He said how much he enjoyed 94 with uh, Jack Chowder and stuff like that. And then you kind of fast forward, you go, well, that wasn't professional 94, so why was it suddenly worse in 2002? It's, uh, I, I always wonder what the, the real reasons were, if if there was any different reasons from what Roy said. Um, but yeah, that, that game against Ireland, uh, Germany, I think just revitalised that whole squad and thought, right, that's it, we're all in it together and let's carry on and try and make this as much of a success as possible. To be fair, see if you read Matt Evans' book that we did from the 94 World Cup, there was a little bit of an edge with Roy Keane and that before the World Cup as well. So right. it's, it's not as if he didn't have any history with us. Yeah. It just didn't go as far. Yeah, I think, uh, of course, this was the year that he released that famous autobiography, which most people remember for what he said about Alfinger Holland, um, which... Thing it took out, well, so the damage was done. Um, but he was very critical of a lot of things, including the Jack Charlton era. Um, I, I just think Roy Keane, since about that period, has cut about like, an angry man. It, it comes across in his punditry too much, in my opinion. He, he does make good points now and then, but I think too much he is over the top and, and stuff like that, and he's still better about people at Ferguson and all the rest. I can understand to a degree, but I think there's times you just think, Roy, rein it in, mate. You've just co- missed out on a, your last chance at a World Cup. It's interesting because you bring up Ferguson. I think before, there's a before and after with Keane on Ferguson, and I think before he probably would have had some sort of um, slagging of Jack Charlton and stuff like that. But see, if you hear him now, 
talk about Jack Charlton. He's how much he respects the man, and you know they would go to the water parks in America, and they would have the greatest time with Ireland. This, that, and the next thing. And I think it's because he's now fig- fixated so much on how he hates Alex Ferguson. He doesn't want to just hate on everybody. So Clough and Charlton get a wee bit of a kind of break because Ferguson's the kind of main enemy. Oh, genuinely, that makes it sound like Jack Charlton took his way into the Disneyland or something. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go to Typhoon Lagoon. They were in Orlando for one of the games. It, it, it was uh, 22 of his, his wins, I think. Um, <laughs> did they not say something about with, when they met the Pope, Packy Warner? They, and then they were talking to each other about being a goalkeeper, and then he made that mistake in 19, and he said, oh, well, the Pope would have saved that right to Packy Warner's face. <laughs> Oh, God bless uh, Jack Charlton. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ireland played Kinsella and uh, Matt Holland, in my field, who are two good players. And Matt Holland scored that screamer against uh, Cameroon. So they coped, as I say, they coped fairly well with him. Could they have gone further with Roy Keane, the team? We'll never know. I mean, that was always a, that was always the kind of minor regret. Of that was well, they did well, but were they really missing that little bit of spark in the midfield for, for Roy Keane? And could they have got even further? Because um, yeah. ultimately, I mean, the, the only the only game they won was against the Saudi Arabia, and the Saudi keeper threw half of them in. They got three now. At least two of them were thrown in the net. Yeah, it was terrible well, goalkeeper. As was discovered, he wasn't a very good goalkeeper. What was it? Um, Twelve <laughs> goals in three games. Yeah, not a good yeah. one for the Saudi goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and then up, like they went through Ireland uh, in second place, played Spain in the, the last sixteen, and went out in one of the only two penalty shootouts in the entire tournament. And Spain were involved in both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, come on, this means other game later because that will cover on our subject um, in, in terms of um, some of the other um, main standouts from the group stages um, for me the goal of the, this whole tournament is, um, comes in the group stage and it's a header from Jared Borghetti of Mexico against Italy, I mean his face, he's, he's going away from goal, he's got Maldini marking him, he's got Buffon in goal and somehow he arcs this ball right round and into the um, box into the far corner it's it's the most extraordinary header I've ever seen second most extraordinary header I've ever seen after Larson's first one in the film but I, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know you swear for header anyway. I, I seem to remember and I, I'm going totally off track here although no no not totally did Billy Dodds not score like a really good header for Aberdeen like for Hull or something from outside the box and it was a kind of backwards header as well like it, it was a big punt upfield and it kind of Steered it in, not to the the, the kind of classes, but getting. But I just that was always stood out. I mean, I might totally be false as well, but I've always remembered Billy Dodds got an absolutely cracking header from outside the box. You'll need to uh, find this and send it to Scott. It might not have been Aberdeen, it might have been for Partick this or something, but I'm pretty sure he scored a, a header from outside the box. So I will try and find that. Yeah, I certainly don't know. I would, I would remember that if it was. Um... If it was for Aberdeen, but if it yes. has happened, then there's obviously something I've missed, and it's probably yeah. come in a bad yes. period for us. I had a, a, a 90s dream about Billy Dodds. Who knows? Then for yourself, mate. <laughs> 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 There was a couple of, I mean, Argentina went out in the group stage, which was a shock because a lot of people thought they were potential winners of this competition. Portugal had finished. Um, who were unlucky not to get to the final of Euro 2000, um, went out in the group stage losing to USA and uh, South Korea. 
was the weirdest group. And obviously, <laughs> I had a hand in this Poland, one because Poland. Poland, this was Poland's first World Cup since 1986. So I didn't remember Poland ever being at a World Cup before this. And I, I had all the expectations that they were going to do well. Because um, I think they did a decent qualifying campaign. I'm sure they topped a group. Um, so they were going into it in good form. And what you say, you look at that group and you go, South Korea, the hosts, they'll be easy. Portugal's the main threat in there, and you'll take care of the United States. And then Poland went out in the first game and lost 2-0 to South Korea. Wouldn't be the last team to lose to South Korea, but we'll come back to that. They went into the second game and got absolutely pumped off Portugal. Um, worth noting that Hugh Dallas was the referee of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and like Portugal were miles better than Poland. And that, this was the confusing part as to, like, to me, that Portugal should have got through this group, and I have no idea how they didn't, given how well they played in that game. Uh, because like, that was that now knocked Poland out after two games. So Poland now they start they set a trend in this, and that you get knocked out after two games and then win your third one. They beat the States. They beat them three one, and it was like two 0 after five minutes. <laughs> so where was this? This is the Poland they wanted to turn up in the first place. Yeah. Was it not three 0 at half time? It ended up three one. Um, no, it get the third goal in sixty six minutes. All right, okay. Aye, but aye, the reason why Portugal went out was because you know they conceded three daft goals in the first half against America. They didn't turn up until yeah. the second half of that game, by the which time it was too late. And then South Korea, Joel Pinto, a guy who I've always thought was overrated, um, picked Ed Rikos and gets himself sent off. They then get another sending off in the same game. I think it was Beto. Um, and then South Korea pinch a winner, which wins in the group. And this is the thing that the two co-hosts, I mean, we, you always say how a World Cup can sometimes depend how well the hosts do. And there was a lot of people thinking, well, this might be the easiest, um, this might be the one where the, co- the hosts get put out. They didn't. They both yeah, get through. Yeah, they didn't yeah. I mean, Japan gets seven points um, from, you know, winning two of their group games. Um, and South Korea, obviously, him going through, it, was, it probably helped make this tournament as well. Japan had some good players in this team, in this tournament, though. Nakata and Emoto. They were the guys that were like, kind of, they're the names you remember. Shinji um, Ono, he was there as well, was he not? Um, aye. He used to play for PSV and stuff. Yeah, they that. Yeah. Uh, and I think the thing that kind of makes this tournament as well is that both the Japanese and Korean people just took to every single nation. You know, it just became, you know, everything. It was almost as if it was a kind of first viral kind of World Cup, but it was just. They were all over advertising everything. It was just full on, kind of on the TV, on in the papers over in Asia, and all the rest of it. It just seemed to hi- just highlight everything, um, and they just took to it. Especially, you know, I suppose how well Korea ended up doing that heightened things. But even when you see when England Beckham was absolutely covered with you know Japanese people and stuff like that, Ronaldo and the Brazilian teams as well, they were lining up the streets to to just view the bus and things like that. I think that often can make a tournament if the fans are just super excited to see football. It doesn't really matter who it is. And as you guys touched on, to, to both qualify from the group, I think, was um, was great for the World Cup as well. Just to, to add even more to that atmosphere. Yeah, as you say, one of the abiding memories of this World Cup was the colour, specifically South Korea. <laughs> but they, I think they got memos of what team the team were going to wear because they turn up and the Dobby dresses exactly are the same, and it was brilliant. And like, I've, I mean, I've heard I mean, South Korea obviously playing the guitar, uh, and, and 
it's been the same songs, and uh, you hear them singing it, and they're immediately transported back twenty years to when they were hosts. It's just like it just sticks with you these things. Uh, yeah. But you, I mean, you mentioned Shinji Ono. I mean, I forgot he was in um, the Japan side at this time, and like, he came to this World Cup off the back of winning the UEFA Cup the final. Yeah, that's right. It was, uh, but I think, as I say, that's, that's the kind of thing that really makes a tournament is just kind of these players coming out and for the host nations and you know some of the stories that Korea would end up having was just you know you couldn't really make them up. Another thing, quickly touching back on Poland, the only real player that I can remember from that era was the was it Emmanuel Alyssa Davy. Yeah. I think is that just because of football manager or championship manager Champ- or something? There's yeah, a lot of See when you mentioned Sinjono, <laughs> I thought immediately of Chapman or one or two and terrible West free transfer and all this carry on. Alyssa <laughs> Debbie was the first guy I remember being like actually naturalised, as they would say. Yeah. Um was he Nigerian or something? Nigerian, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but he'd been in Poland for five years, so he was Polish. That kind of thing. Yeah. Hi. That's a, that was a bit of a bizarre one. Um, without doubt, the biggest actor cheating in this group in the whole tournament, Rivaldo. We mentioned him earlier about the great goal he scored, but yeah. that's not what he's remembered for. Yeah, he I mean, should have I mean, been remembered for five as, goals. As, but... as Scott mentioned, <laughs> nine times out of ten, he'll take it in the chest and he'll spin and smack it in the net. One time out of ten, he'll take it in the chest because he's holding his face. <laughs> well, this didn't even hit his chest. Uh, the ball hits his leg. Yeah, it hits his leg. His I thought it hit his chest, and then he went down holding his face. I think it hits the side of his knees as it goes down. I can't remember. Certainly, certainly wasn't his face. We could, we could all be agreed on that, and it was. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the boy gets set off, didn't he? Get second jail for that. I can <laughs> still get a second booking, and they couldn't appeal it. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and Rivaldo the... got something like a five hundred pound or five grand fine, whatever it was. It was pennies to him. Yeah, and um, and it, no ban. <laughs> we sat on the first game as well, and it was a kind of slow starter, and it's almost as if that's what kind of kicked them into kind of into, into being. But yeah, it's just the, the biggest kind of cheat. The only thing I'm trying to remember the group stages, like the the, the one that you just touched on, Argentina was obviously Beckham getting his um, oh, the redemption. Actually, his redemption came prior to that for me because his redemption came when he smacked that free kick in against Greece right at the end because that sent them back to the World Cup for a man who got blamed for them being kicked out the previous one. That was the redemption. Mots' commentary was good, to be fair. You know, hold the cups back home. You can um, smash them there. I thought that was actually (laughs) quite quite cool. I think the the, the redemption side was because it was against Argentina. Because of who it was, aye. And was it not Simeone that was kind of noising them up before the penalty as well? Is that that what happened? Simeone was still part of the squad. Mm -hmm. I think he was in his ear just before he took the penalty as as well. And you're like, what's going to happen? So... But that was a, a for what I can remember, that group was actually kind of poor considering how exciting it, it kind of looked. Aye. It, was, it was very tight. Like the, the Argentine England game was a bit of a damp squib. Um, that's what I remember of that, other than the penalty, obviously. Yeah. Uh, England drew with Sweden because England can't beat Sweden. Uh, or at least they couldn't back then. It was the same <laughs> four years later as well. Uh, it was just much more entertaining. Than but that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> um, and then like, the last games were all draws. So. Like Sweden went through top on gold scored ahead of England and Argentina went out. So, right. Yeah, if you hear the England squad, right, because this was their golden generation, if you hear them talking, 
it's like, oh, if we hadn't met Brazil, who knows, we probably could have won that tournament. And you're thinking, but you struggled to get out of the, the group. Do you know what I mean? It's as if you're actually, you were yeah. in sensational form yeah. and then you, you you kind of bumped into Brazil. You bumped into Brazil for a reason. That's because you, you're, yeah. your form leading into it. Yeah, I can't have a win in two draws. And then it was a, it was a nil-nil draw with Nigeria, yeah. which was just grim. Um, and Nigeria weren't that bad. I mean, they had Aga Hauer. He was the one that most people remember because of the ridiculous celebration yeah. um, that nobody ever attempted. I did once attempt the Robbie Keane celebration. You know, the, <laughs> was that? Was the, Aga the cartwheel? Howe... I can't cartwheel though. I just looked ridiculous trying it. I think Aga Howe is the kind of reason that I started knowing anything about Shakhtar Donetsk as well. Because <laughs> he played me, for yeah. them and it was like, again, I think Chap Manager or something and that was the first yeah. time I'd ever heard of Shakhtar Donetsk. He played against he played against Scotland round about this time as well. Aye. Was it a, was at that Petodri, a Petodri? At Petodri in April that and he year, scored yeah. ten as well. Aye. Scored twice <laughs> in that game. That's when Aye. I first saw that celebration. Yeah, because I think soccer um, that did, um, that was when they did the compilations of all the um, the celebrations of the you know the somersaults because Peter Beagle was on this. And then they said this is the best one ever. Evan it's Stuart McCall. And, um, we know the win. <laughs> 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 Never spilt a drop. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I England went on to beat Denmark in the next round. So I think this is where they were getting. Um, that was a up. good Denmark team. I mean, especially in the group stage. Like this was this was John Dal Thomas's tournament. He was fantastic. I thought John Dal Thomas was great. Um, yeah, I still think he's great. This is the Malmo. Being Rangers thing, but that's a separate <laughs> podcast again. Uh, John Dal Thomas was a fantastic striker in this tournament specifically. Mm. He was rotten yeah. when he came to England, but <laughs> here he was fantastic. I think he was one of the top scorers in the tournament, uh-huh. and that was just purely for the group stages. It was only like the likes of Cosa and like Ronaldo, obviously, and uh, I think Rivaldo were the three that were actually scored more than he did. There were there were better Danish teams though. Ninety-eight was better because yeah. both Brian. I and think Rico. so. I and that, that game against Brazil was a, a classic. But the eighty-six team is obviously going to the Danish Dynamite yeah. team is going to be the one everybody you know. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they weren't a bad Danish team. They just weren't those Danish teams. Yeah, and, and um, the, the thing is, Denmark always seem to and I say this knowing that they've got papped out this one, but they always seem to do okay to until they get a certain team. And then it kind of crumbles like the, the Euros against England. They just ran out of legs. Um, yeah. And then yeah. against Scotland at Hamden, they just came up against a superior force that night. So yeah. that was the, the Hamden crowd. Tournament. The coming tournament, they just never get going. Yeah, it yeah. just never it never happened for them at all. Yeah, but, um, but how, how did Rio Ferdinand get credited to a goal in this one? Because his headers isn't even going towards the goal. I mean, Chris, I know you've got your bean your bonnet about the Paul McStay one in year 92, <laughs> but this one's worse. This know, is worse. Right? going across yeah. goal. It's, not, it's a Tom Sonson own goal all day long. If Ferdinand still takes the credit just so he can do that stupid celebration. It's yeah, not we, stupid, it's his punditry. <laughs> we, we had this chat on the, uh, the, the podcast chat a few days ago about what considered on target and what isn't. <laughs> and hitting the post is not on target, so no, that's a carrying on goal. But this is, you're right, this isn't even close to on target. So how it's credited is further I don't never know. It's an assist. <laughs> I am the closest. Exactly. Um I just when you mentioned Turkey a minute ago, um Scott with that Brazil um Turkey game. Um Hassan Sass is the Scalache of this World World Cup. we didn't hear much of him before or since. Uh, do you know what? I remember I, I watched the, the the recent documentary and I was like, Oh Hassan Sass, he was great, I remember him. Like being really this that excited, I go to Wikipedia and I went, 
No, actually, it's not quite how I remembered it. I thought it went to a couple of good European teams and stuff. No, that was just the, as you say, that was the pinnacle. You do get certain players who just absolutely peak at a World Cup. And then, you know, it used to be where, especially in England, they would then buy these players and then they'd be absolutely guff. Uh, I think managers are now kind of wising in onto that. But yeah, Hassan, as I said, I thought, when I saw it, because he was actually in the dog bed, I was like, oh, he, he had a really good career. Then looked at him and actually, no, it probably a very decent career in Turkey, but that was it. Mm-hmm. Salaf Dial was another one who did well in this tournament, went to Liverpool and was rotten. Yeah, well, yeah, there was, uh, <laughs> I think, with uh, El Hadj Jouf and him, both we kind of did not turn up at Liverpool, the same players that they were at the World Cup. Aye. What I thought was weird about this tournament, normally in a World Cup, you get um, the the winners of Group A meeting the uh, runners up in Group B and then C, D, A, the rest of it. This one, for some reason, yeah. it was A versus F, B versus E, <laughs> C versus H, and D versus G. And I had to look to say, was this because, you know, they separated the ones based in Korea, one based in Japan? Yeah, I was, but it uh, wasn't. It wasn't even that, no. Was it not? No. Was there not some intention to keep Japan in Japan and South Korea in South Korea? Because they didn't want to swap them that, they could avoid but... that. But no, it didn't. It, I mean, they both won their groups and they stayed in anyway. Yeah, right. the, the problem with this was it then led to the fact that you played a team in the group and any other World Cup, if you got out of the group, well, any other World Cup has got 32, not 24, where there's, third, there's three teams coming out of the group. If you've got two teams coming out of the group, they shouldn't meet again until the final. But in this one, Brazil and Turkey met again in the semi. Yeah, in the semis, yeah. That wasn't the first time it happened in Brazil because that one we talked about in USA 94. Both Brazil and Sweden were one and two in their group, but yet somehow they were on the same side and got in the semi final. I know you're right, it has happened before. Yeah, because it happen the, third, the third place in that yeah. was Russia who went out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have assumed it was to keep people in the same countries, but if that's not the case, then it is very bizarre that they would just change it for that kind of one tournament by the looks of it. USA and England was 24 teams, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. It, could, it could happen there. Because it you're unlikely. trying to deal with the third place teams and shuffle them about, and uh, yeah. but I mean, once you get to thirty two and there's only two teams coming out, they shouldn't meet to the final again. Yeah, but in this Aye. case, no, they, they won't come out in the semi. Aye, the only other tournament where that actually has happened is um, was yours two thousand eight with Turkey, ironically. Um, again, involved, but, two hosts. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the, the two hosting, but it was Spain versus Russia who met in the group stage and then met. But that was because they kept one in Switzerland, one in. Um, Austria, obviously, but that's for a Euros um, throwback. Um, the the main story of the knockout stages, without doubt, is South Korea, the first Asian team going to the semi-final. Um, there's a lot of finger pointing towards possible corruption in this one. <laughs> you know, did they bung the referee? But listen, seeing the early game, I mean, we can talk about some of the decisions that were really iffy, but let's be honest, if Christine Berry doesn't have the miss of the tournament with two minutes ago, we're not talking about it. Yeah, Yeah, South Korea took their chances. When they got the goals, but you're right. The very if the very miss is not a very miss, it's a very goal. I'll go through and we don't bother about it anymore. But I that was the dodgiest game for the decisions. I think. I mean, there was like they beat Poland fair and square. They beat Portugal fair and square. This game was everything went their way. <laughs> I know I Spain don't... weren't too happy in the next round either, <laughs> but I don't think it was as bad as this one. I don't think. I always look at it on, on the basis that if you are good enough, you will beat the team. It doesn't. You should always try to take the official officiating out of the 
kind of process yep. where you take your chances, where you make it as obvious as possible you're the better team. I think if you said to me, if you said to me, right, listen, without showing me that game, right, who's more capable of cheating and bunging a referee and all the rest of it? <laughs> South Korea or Italy, especially at that time, I'm 100% going to say Italy. So, That's you know, true. if it's... Uh, it's uh, I, 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 the Italian's just like a good a good one. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, the boy Anne. There was a whole load of con- controversy that then happened with him because he scored the goal. He was playing for Perugia at the time. So the story goes that the Perugia owner sacked him because he scored that goal. I think it was a bit more. He said he sacked him, but I think it was a bit more kind of. Um, around the houses and that, I think he was actually on loan and they didn't actually sign him in the end. Um, but it was just this, I mean, as I say, that kind of thing was the Italians in every single way. They just moaned about everything, even the fact that that boy scored, they were mourning at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> I mean, they can believe the referee um, all, all they want, but they ended the Italy, who were runners-up near 2000, again, one of the favourites to win this competition, should have been good enough to beat South Korea and let's not forget South Korea missed a penalty in this game as well it was Anne that missed it actually so yeah. that was the ultimate exemption the Spain game I think there was this little goal which um, I don't remember but I remember the one where the player tried to cross the ball and he says the ball was over the line and Morentes headed home but the ball didn't look over the line that was maybe the one but then when it comes to penalties there was the boy Joaquin who looked um absolutely knackered and he was asked to go take the second penalty and he missed it and you think why are you letting an injured a nearly injured player take a penalty yeah, yeah it's things like that you know, it's like well we've got to penalties that 100% as a kind of lottery in the sense of you know the, the referee hasn't saved a penalty the referee hasn't scored a penalty in that instance so it's it's down to you if you missed a penalty then that's your team's kind of luck um yeah, I think. What's this concept of missing penalties and shoot? It's just Scottish. What do we know about? <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's a kind of I don't know. I, I kind of look back on all that kind of South Korea stuff as a wee bit. It's almost as if it was a kind of superiority superiority complex from the European side of things. Like, oh, how dare they? They can they're Asian. How can they beat us? Do you know what I mean? It, it did kind of feel like sour grapes. Yeah, I mean, we're not there neither. I mean, look now, we've just watched Japan beat both Germany and Spain. And Spain, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, you know, you look at the players, Anne was doing really well in Italy at the time before, obviously, that happened. And Italy have got um, previous with that, if you ask Canadia uh, and Maradona. Um, but yeah, Park Ji Sung went on to have a great career. Exactly. Well. Park G, he scored a, a fantastic goal in, in that tournament. Um, and you know, we mentioned Nakata, Ono, and everybody, Enamoto and stuff from from Japan. You know, and you look now at the, the kind of legacy from '98, 2002, from the, the players that have come into Europe from both those countries. And they, you know, let's look at the Celtic squad at this current moment in time. These players are superior technically abilities than pretty much most of the players that they're up against week in and week out. And yeah. it's not just in Scotland. They go to Germany. Um, I went to Germany, did really well. Nakamura played in Italy for Scotland and everything else. They are fantastic footballers. Yeah. 
You've plenty of Celtic fans at the moment. I'll ask, I've been asking questions. Oh, why isn't Hadati in the squad? Why isn't Kyogo in the squad? Well, Japan just made the last 16, so can't really argue that one too much. I, I, still, well. I still think Hadati could be in there, but that's just a preference. Yeah, they both could. Well, well, they've done. Well, they've done. It just shows the depth they, uh, yeah. they must have. You know, they must have more talented players than we think. I mean, I think people look at these leagues by a bit of snobbery. I mean, we we talk about the MLS people call it a retirement home and stuff, but USA actually made the quarterfinals. They were one of. Five continents were represented in the quarterfinals of this World Cup, which is tremendous because you had Senegal from Africa, you had America um, from North America, so you had Brazil from South America, um, and you know, also South Korea, and then also a couple of European teams. So, I mean, that was great. And, um, you know, we also have to, we can't go through um, this World Cup without talking about a certain Brazil versus England. Go ahead, Chris, you want to say it. Yeah, it's, it's not, it wasn't even a new joke in this one because it happened in the Cup Winners' Cup final in 1995. Seaman got lobbed from 40 yards. We just dug out the joke because Ronaldinho catches him out. He was coming to try, try and catch the cross and Ronaldinho spotted it and just stuck a ball in the corner straight for the free I, kick. So I was watching, um, was it Match of the Day Top 10 and they were talking about... Uh, Different teams, the best teams that have ever played the World Cup. And they were talking about the Brazil 2002 team. And uh, both Shearer and Mika Richards said that he didn't mean it, or conclusively that he didn't mean it. Pish. I saw the, I saw the uh, 2002 Brazil documentary and Beckham was adamant he did mean it. He's, and I you think see him look up. Yeah, see, that's the thing. If you see him look and he sees with and what Beckham says, and if anybody knows how to take a free kick, David Beckham is certainly up there. He says he's never seen Ronaldinho miss hit a free kick that badly. If that's what you if you think he's actually putting a cross into the yeah. into the box, then he's miss hit it severely badly. And he's never seen that in his life. So he's like, it's 100% meant it. And I, I, I totally agree with Beckham. I think he's 100% yeah. meant it. That's, a, that's an exceedingly good point. You just, he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, Daniel, I didn't thought of that way. Well, to me, it was always, he's looked up. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. But you're right, I, if, if he's not, if he didn't mean that, it's a terrible miss up, which yeah. is because it, uncharacteristic it, for us. I mean, even, even then, because Ronaldinho was quite young then. Mm-hmm. But even then... But if, you think, but if you think about it, right, so we both, probably John as well, think, first thing we think of is he's looked up and he's seen him, right? Whereas Beckham, who practised every day of his football career to take a free kick, first thing he thinks of is, Ronaldinho does the same as me, he practises every single day and he's obviously looked at that free kick and he's thought, it's no chance that he's missing that, no chance. Yeah. The only but, way you miss hitting that is if it's if it's during the game and it's a cross. Yeah, you can miss hit a cross far easier than you can miss hit a free kick like that. You're, yeah. you're not physically in the right position where you're standing foot. You're kind of almost falling over and you've hit the cross. Yeah. That's the kind of way. And he's not done that at all on that free kick. He's he's clearly no. meant that. He he knew, he knew what he was doing. He's also seen, oh. as you mentioned, Naim. You know, I just think of the fantasy football sketch Naim from the halfway line, um, and. Uh, but Lee Dixon about... with a pass pack the days you pick up a pass pack lopping him <laughs> nice Lee Blooming Dixon can do it I can <laughs> but did, did they not concede another one after that World Cup? Aye, Macedonia from a corner Macedonia, yeah. from a corner <laughs> which I think might have been Pandev 
maybe yeah um but yeah the interesting thing is because what i can really remember quite well from that was owen scored the opener and me shaking myself that they were actually going to beat brazil you're thinking oh shit they're going to I think it was one of the better it put games, people, actually. Yeah. It put people off their breakfast, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Just bear in mind, this was at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. It's was, it was weird as you were aware of it so early in the morning. The thing that changed it is Rivaldo got the equaliser just before half-time. Yeah. yeah. And that made out a hell of a difference because England going 1-0 up at half-time and it's a one-team talk. You get one each at half-time, completely different team talk and you're just changing it on the fly there and then. Yeah. And but, I think that makes a difference. And then obviously Rodrigo's brilliant as well. Go back to the documentary, go back to David Beckham. He said when he kind of knew that it wasn't all kind of England, England's way, is that they'd scored, they were 1-0 up, they were quite comfortable. He looked over and Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo were just laughing, just having a joke with each other on the pitch. And he just couldn't believe his eyes, that they just they had no fear whatsoever. They were just having a wee giggle and all the rest of it. It's almost as if they knew what was going to come. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think Brazil were deserved winners. Is it? Oh, you go, Chris. Sorry. Yeah, the, the, the best thing about Brazil beating England was the, the montage that the BBC did at the end of the game. <laughs> like, they have never bettered that. Putting England's World Cup campaign to the music of Stop Crying Your Heart Out by Oasis is perfect. <laughs> it's literally perfect. I, I play that every so often, just I, every time I hear that song, I remember the lob. <laughs> Oh, Nowadays you get the, the, the candlelight version of some song that you know for 20 years ago instead and it just is plenty plonky nonsense. That's just played the original and it worked <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. So yeah, BBC need to get back to that. And but while we're on the subject of BBC music, that was the only yeah. thing they got right because their intro to the BBC World Cup in 2002 was rotten. Yeah. So it's some technical rubbish. ITV did. I, ITV just went the whole traditional way and I think they nailed it. So, I can't remember any real good song from 2002, like football song. Like, obviously, before that, 98 with Latour Noirs. Eh, not Latour Noirs, that was yeah. the tournament. With the, what was that song? The, the, with the bagpipes, they had a wee bit of everything. I can't remember any kind of song. I think somebody mentioned before we started recording that it was Ant and Deck. Ant and Deck, we're on the ball. We're on the ball. And it was dire. So I can't remember. And yet, yet, to give my credit, it's kind of catchy. Oh, I can say, yeah. I've never played it in my head. But it's catchy. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. But I can't remember any kind of Right, so according to the Wikipedia, the official song was Boom. Never heard that. The official uh, local song that the the Bengal Bengal was <laughs> Let's Get Together Now. The official anthem was Anthem. What I did notice about this World Cup... Anthem was about Vangelis. Yeah. Aye, because for some reason, the FIFA used to have their old um, traditional um, intro music for coming at, uh, um, onto the pitch. And for this one tournament, they, repl- they replaced it with that Vangelis thing, which was... Um, but was that was actually, um, actually I mean, I like Vangelis. Blade Runner's terrific soundtrack. <laughs> this don't get that. Boom was by Anastasia. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I have no recollection of that song whatsoever. No, no, no. I can't remember it. Yeah, definitely not. Maybe Venga Boys would have been better. Um, <laughs> 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 
I mean, that was the best of the quarterfinals. The rest of the quarterfinals weren't great. You had a, a scrappy 1-0 win for Germany against the USA, which they can thank Michael Ballack and Oliver Kahn, because um, America absolutely pummeled them in this game. Yeah, that's um, South Korea-Spain game, which went all the way to Pels and didn't have much in between, um, apart from the couple of dodgy um, decisions, potentially. And you had Senegal-Turkey, which was not a good game, that was then settled in extra time. Um, I'm actually no, trying to remember no. who scored the goal. No, it wasn't an own goal. For which one? Golden goal. It was a, a golden, golden goal. I thought he said own goal. Yeah. Aye, it was a golden goal one, that one. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been Alan in the 94th minute. Aye, yeah. I probably butchered his name. Alan Mazis. Ah, yeah. Johan Manzies, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, Turkey's first World Cup, they got to semi-final. Yeah, I, I, Turkey. I mean, for all we've talked about South Korea and Japan being actually getting progressing quite well as hosts, Turkey were a real surprise package of this tournament. Yeah, and they took out like Japan, and they took out Senegal, they took out South Korea in the third place match as well. Mm-hmm. They, they, they managed to beat both hosts. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's been done since. Mm, I don't think but so. there's been multiple hosts. I don't think that when I don't. I don't think, think there's been oh, there's not been a dual yeah. there's not been a dual host since then. But there's also going to be in the world of cup. there's been Euros that have had dual hosts. Yeah, I think, but not World Cups. But I don't think it was even done at the Euros because, like, if you remember, like Poland and Ukraine in 2012, and they were both rotten, and mm-hmm. uh, Austria and Switzerland in 2008, and I was the Great Island. Yeah. Oh, I, it, I think it's, and it, you can't count Euro 2020 um, for the multiple well, yeah. <laughs> The only other one I can really remember was uh, Rusto the keeper. Yeah, he used to have his yeah. face paint. Um, yeah. I'm trying to work out who the manager was. Was it Fatty Terry or was? I think it. I think it may have been. I mean, Hakan Sukar didn't have a great time, and then he scored the fastest goal in the. Um, in World Cup history in that playoff. And it's, yeah. to this day, it's still the fastest because yeah. they mentioned that earlier today when Croatia nearly scored in the, what, the first 10 seconds as it was competing with it. So, the only way, the only way you're beat, the only way that you're really beating that is if, um, I don't know if you remember the FIFA game um, that year, the FIFA World Cup game that year, but you could score for the halfway line with ease. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, it was the diff- most difficult of games. <laughs> Um, but yeah, even the final. I mean, this has been a tournament of surprises. Now you might think Brazil versus Germany, that you know, is two heavyweights in the final. But even to, to a degree, the biggest surprise a... of that was that had never happened before. Yeah, this mm-hmm. was the first time Brazil and Germany had met in the final. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I've got to just go one step back. With that's the semi-final with Turkey Brazil, where Ronaldo is. Got his head. That's his first time we've seen his haircut for that that one. Oh, not the, the kind of <laughs> the pubic, pubic triangle. triangle, yeah. Um, and I think he said at the time that it was so his baby could tell the difference between him and Roberto Carlos. But he since said it was actually he had a thigh injury, and it was to take away all the media speculation about his injury that he just decided to do this haircut. And if you so he says, if you watch the the goal that he scores against Turkey, it's like a toe poke. Mm-hmm. He, he would do in futsal, and that's because he couldn't open up his leg with his thigh to actually side foot it as he would normally. And it's a it's a really good kind of goal in terms so of. Was he all right goal. for the final then? So, I did, mm-hmm. I did recovered by the final from, from that thigh injury? 
it's got two goals, so I'm assuming. Yeah. So, uh, so that, I mean, because they definitely... So like, the, the, the four, I mean, well, uh, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but the, 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 the two goals are two very different goals and need to yeah. be scored by a... Yeah, so, 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 so yeah, I'm, I'm assuming with the, the theory that he... But the fact that he was able to play in the, the Turkey game and then it, there obviously a wee bit of rest, it must have been, you know, I, I don't know if it, how much of it's adrenaline and how much of it's just it has recovered enough. Because as you say, it's definitely two different finishes that wouldn't be good for your th- the thigh. Um, but that, for me, that World Cup will always be Ronaldo's World Cup. That was this kind yeah. of... Back from yeah. 98, and then had those two horrific knee injuries into Milan. You know, you actually see a picture of his knee. It's absolutely gruesome. It's, it's amazing he played this World Cup, given what happened in between. Obviously, but, what happened uh, in 98 was a devastating blow for him and no being right in the final. But, uh, to, then have the, to then have the next four years where it was fraught with injuries, mm-hmm. to then but, actually play as well as he did in this World Cup, to even play in the World Cup was amazing. And to score the the, the, the amount of goals that he scored, and it was like he got eight goals eight, in this tournament, and that was the most that had been for about two decades in World Cups. Yeah. And if we give me two seconds, because I, I don't think he played. So, but he scored more goals at that World Cup than he did for Inter in the, the league at Serie A that season. So he scored, he scored seven and ten appearances. That was right towards the end. Hector Cooper didn't seem to fancy him at all because he said he was fit. Before like kind of Christmassy time, and then it really it went back to Brazil to actually work in his fitness with the Brazilian doctors to prove that he was fit, and to then just explode back onto the scene, um, not to the same explosiveness of you know his previous kind of years in football, but to come back from those two horrific knee injuries the way he did, and yeah. just to carry that Brazil team somewhat. Although it's obviously helped when you've got Ronaldinho to one side of you and Rivaldo to the, to the other side of you, both selflessly actually kind of providing for him as well. It's, uh, and then you've got Cafu and Roberto Carlos and the left. It's just a team full of superstars. I've done Ronaldo a disservice here. It's not 20 years. If you go back prior to the 2002 World Cup, it's six, 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 back to West Germany when Lato scored seven. And then you've got Gert Muller with 10 in 1970. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then just... ever, ever since the 2002 World Cup, it's five, five, six, and six. Yes. Like, so like, so he, he, he scored the most of any World Cup since long before I was born. Yeah. And the, going back to the Scottish thing, obviously there was a player in that team that would come up and play in Scotland as a World Cup winner. Looking at you, Chris. Oh, Janino. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. forget he played for Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he actually played for Celtic in the same team as Omri Kamara that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, that's how... Um, but that, that, that Brazil team was packed with really good players and then there was Cleberson and stuff like that as well, which <laughs> yeah. is a kind of... Silva was a good player in that team. Gilberto Silva was a fantastic player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, know, you know who played in Scotland that didn't make it to that one? Raphael Shite. <laughs> was he still in the Celtic books at that point? Had he not I been think he was away by then, yeah. But 2002, he was away. No, th- it took him a bit to get rid of him. But, I aye. think he, he's still got a contract with Celtic, just the same as Seb Rosenthal's got a contract at Rangers. They just always <laughs> seem to be <laughs> just always <laughs> seem to be there, don't they? <laughs> 
But, um, but how what, do we talk about been, 2002 no. World Cup and bring up Seb Rosenthal when Chile <laughs> aren't even in it? <laughs> I, I stand corrected, right? <laughs> Shite's loan spell at Corinthians came to an end in 2002 and he maintained his hope of making it to Celtic. Um, so I, he was still he there. Still that hope. He still yeah. maintains that hope to this day. Yes. Uh, that's when you could buy your caps for Brazil, eh? Crazy, <laughs> peeps. <laughs> but uh, Brazil, I think, fair to say, deserve winners overall. I mean, yeah, yeah the best team. So, I mean, uh, one every game in nine minutes. Brazil were so good that you can can you imagine me wearing the blue Brazil top? <laughs> no, Kevin Beef one. No, no, Kevin Beef joke. <laughs> I, I had both the yellow and the blue one, and I didn't wear the blue okay, one. Big fives. Um, right. Brazil were that good, um, mm-hmm. and I—I I, I mean, I, I was wearing a Brazil top for the final. Um, I watched it with my mates that have been at university for about four years, um, and every one of us, to a man, did you have one a second goal? Because that first goal is push for, for such for all of a can't have had such a good tournament to then spill yeah. it to Ronaldo. <laughs> It was like, please score another goal. I don't want a World Cup deciding that. And then Ronaldo scored another goal, and it was a brilliant goal. It was a very so, good goal, second yeah. one. But uh, did you have the haircut, Chris, as well? No. <laughs> not in my head, anyway. Cafe <laughs> yeah. made history in that final. By um, not falling off the plinth. Well, that, but, um, no, by being the first player to play in three consecutive World Cup finals. Because he played yes. in the, He came on as a sub yeah, for in 94. Yeah, played in 98, yeah. played in this one. And he captained them to glory. Yeah, super fullback captain. And he wasn't meant to be the captain. Um, no, he was it not Emerson. It was Emerson, the, yeah. That, just, this is Emerson that played for Roma, not the one that went to Rangers. Rangers, no, 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 was it? <laughs> it was the one that was at Roma and Juventus. Yeah, he was the captain leading into it, and then the got injured, and then it became Cafu. Then um, and also. Romario was still kicking about. He was crying in a press conference because he didn't get selected. Um, so that shows you his longevity as well, that he was still with it. And Kaka was there uh, as a very young footballer as well. That's when he kind of was emerging. So you kind of forget. You know, cause we always talk about the three R's, but Kaka, I'm pretty sure, was in the squad as well. So I'm not sure if we ever got a touch. Maybe it came on for like two, two minutes or something. But yeah, he was there. I mean, it says a lot that the top scorer on this tournament was Ronaldo with eight. The next one was Miroslav Klose with five. Miroslav, this was Miroslav Klose's first World Cup. He's now top of the charts ever. Um, I know, that's sad. 15 he's got? Nah, that's 16, I think Ronaldo's 16, got 15. Oh, right, Ronaldo's got 15, right, yeah. And then, but I mean, no, significant. You're right, Kaka was in the squad. I don't think he got on the pitch, though. No, it was a bit like Ronaldo in 94. Um, he was in that squad, but never, never actually played. Uh, and Robert, it breaks my heart that Close has got that record. I know because he took it right to the end as well, didn't he? he got like, one goal in his last World Cup, and, just and to edge ahead. Just to, and it's like I said, he did it the German way. He just kept. It was consistently getting played and scoring goals. You can't argue against it. But yeah, it's I mean, just I, not that same kind of vibe. Yeah, and you, you say you say consistency. So he got he got five goals at the 2002 World Cup. He got five goals at the 2006 World Cup as well, and was top scorer with five. Yeah, yeah. It's, but that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. But yeah, it was fantastic to see Cafu lifting that trophy. It was great because I always remember '98, and I was always a bit disappointed for myself. Happy for France. I think France, you know, to have the kind of 
you know, the, the kind of mantra that it didn't matter if you were black, didn't matter if you were um, white, didn't matter if you were like kind of Ar- I, uh, Arabic in France. Everybody came together for that triumph, and it kind of brought the country together for that moment in time. Uh, there's been division since then, but from that moment in time, didn't matter what kind of nationality, what kind of ethnic background you had, everybody was French. But I always remember you feeling gutted for Ronaldo specifically, but also the whole Brazilian team to just crumble right at the end the way they did, capitulated, and to pick themselves up into when, when nobody actually thought they were going to. They had a terrible World Cup qualifying campaign. I think they went through like four or five managers. They had to wait to the very last kind of match to qualify, um, and then just totally turn it around. Um, and it, you know, it is a bit of a, a, a sad thing because Oliver Kahn was player of the tournament. He was mm-hmm. fantastic, and as Chris says, he just kind of gave away that first goal. Yeah, well, I say I'm glad the second goal went in because yeah. Kahn didn't deserve that to be the winning goal. So no. the second uh, goal was terrific. Right I was desperate for a Ronaldo hat trick just to get off. Yeah, I mean, four, months, the only four years previous. Exactly. Four years previous, I was desperate for a Zidane one. So yeah, yeah. maybe uh, this year we'll get one. Who knows? But we he never know. Get, <laughs> Ronaldo gets substituted, and then he was him and his the Brazilian doctor. Like he were both kind of crying in each other's arms because of how far they got to get to that final. Um, yeah. So uh, that was. It was one of my more fond, but I'm very fond of 2002. Um, and that's probably the kind of main reason for it was that Brazil kind of just get there. I think for our, for, our, for our generation, 94 was all right, Brazil. They were a decent team, you know, they good players, Romario, Rai, Dunga, and things like that. But it, was, it didn't feel particularly Brazilian how they won it. Yeah. Whereas for us, I think that's the most Brazilian team to actually win a World Cup in our generation. Obviously, doesn't compare to seventy, but it's kind of the closest thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same. It's, this, this was a Brazil team that was worth watching. I mean, all right, it was they weren't perfect to have the stupidness with Rivaldo and his diving. But I mean, when Rivaldo wasn't doing that, he was a terrific player. And then you've you had the likes of Ronaldinho coming through, and, and this I, I think everybody except for one of the Germans were delighted that Ronaldo had this redemption yeah. uh, after what happened four years previous, and after his seraphic knee injuries and stuff as well. Yeah, I think there's no doubt that um, he deserved this tournament. I think I think the thing that makes this tournament for me was um, the it, it gave hope to other nations that you can achieve things because the amount of shocks was incredible. You know, as I mentioned, you had five continents representing the quarterfinal. Usually it's littered with six Europeans and the two South American giants, um, Brazil and Argentina. You yeah. occasionally get a shock there, but there was loads of them in this and I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, as I said before, even even when you describe Brazil's World Cup qualifying campaign, Germany's World Cup qualifying, you would never have thought they would have got to the final before the tournament, and they did. Um, so, but I think... Right. Again, just to go kind of full circle, I had more faith in Germany this World Cup that's currently <laughs> taking place than I would have had in 2002 World Cup. And I, I, just look what happens. I didn't think Germany would go out, I'll confess to that, but I didn't think they'd do much more and get to the second round because I think Germany's in a bit of a transition just now. They weren't great at the last Euros. Um, I mean, even in qualify, I know they won nine of their 10 games, but they lost their opening gate in North Macedonia. They're not in a... 
I think it'll be years before we see another good Germany team like the one that won the 2014 World Cup after doing well in previous tournaments before. Um, they they put stuff in place to go win 2014. I, and it was like years previous. Yeah, I don't see that. that. It was before this World Cup, actually, they had it in place. Yeah. It was a 5-1 defeat by England. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right, exactly. Yeah, so that's how long it took them to get to win that 2014 World Cup. In 2006, Jurgen Klinsmann was instrumental as well with the players that he was bringing through. The, the, the reason why I thought they would do better in this World Cup, um, especially if you compare it to the 2002 where they actually got to the final, I just had a lot more faith that Hansi Flick would have been able to get something from the players. Because there's still good players available to them. You know what I mean? It's, people rave about Kai Havertz and stuff like that. They, they probably do miss a proper goal scorer. That's yeah. a, a big miss I- I I I, so I I can't take Hansi Flick seriously. I grew up in the low low. It's to me, he's her flick. Yeah, that, 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 that my wife every time that you get mentioned the telly was kind of giggling. Um, but uh, yeah, so it just shows, as I say, the kind of kind of way it all kind of comes around that you're you're then thinking, oh, this German team might do all right, and no, they just get absolutely papped by Japan, who were the host of the two that we were talking about, who have actually progressed steadily ever since that tournament. Yeah, they've they proved you can lose to Costa Rica and still go through. Yeah. <laughs> but we have, we have missed one thing about the 2002 World Cup final that we didn't mention so far, because the other iconic part of it was the referee, Pierre Luigi oh, yeah. Colina. He was yeah. always ref- best referee ever. Best referee that has ever been an iconic, was mm-hmm. he could stare you, and that would be enough. But, of course, that also meant he had a Scottish involvement because the fourth official that day was our very own Hugh Dallas. The first Scot to be a World Cup final. <laughs> and both... See, to be fair, he deserved his place in the lineup. I mean, he was. A, I know, Chris, you have issues with him for certain reasons, but apart from that game, he was a consistently good referee. His, his son's awful, but that's another issue. No, but, yeah. Um... I have more problems with Hugh Dallas since he stopped being a referee than I ever did when he was an yeah. actual referee. Yeah, I, I agree with that comment. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing is I've seen kind of footage of both of them meeting Ronaldo, and there'll be a bit kind of especially Hugh Dallas as like a wee kid in a sweet shop. And you just think, well, they must love football because that's why they're referees. Yeah. So to meet the best player in the world at that moment in time probably would be kind of fill you with a bit of excitement, even though you're kind of having to try and stay as neutral as possible. So I always yeah. kind of find that funny when you see kind of clips like that. But should us, I thought, was a, a very good referee. Mm-hmm. Every referee's going to make mistakes. I remember Kalina made one against Everton and Duncan Ferguson nearly throttled him. I think that was when the, the, stare, the stare wasn't working. Um, the only was, one I they think, probably couldn't fall for it. Well, well I think that was Kalina's turned out to be his last game as a Champions League game against Villarreal. It was a third, but um, it, he was Kalina was by far the way the best referee I've ever seen. Yes, to this day. Aye, and you, you know, another thing it says it all about the referee in this game. Rocky Junior was booked in the sixth minute. Miroslav Klose was booked in the ninth, and there was no other bookings. Yeah, aye, that's what you call setting the tone and getting the players to behave. And um, before we go. Um, highlights of this World Cup. Um, just want to read out some of the comments from um, some some of the guys who responded to my tweet earlier, because some of them are previous guests. First of all, Tom Brogan, um, author of um, 
we made the Mangus Bay 82. Uh, he got made redundant during the group stage, so he was able to watch the rest of the tournament, although there were a few early rises. Um, Kevin, you were, he was on the one with us, Chris, of course. Um, he went for 40. He, he saw nine games, including two featuring Japan, which were mental. Travelled the length of the country on a first-class rail pass following Italy, who had about 10 fans. Great trip. Um, Clark Gillis, um, Secretary of um, Tatanama Sunshine Appeal. Great cause, obviously. I think the games, I think had the games been at normal times this World Cup, would would be remembered more fondly. My memory is watching a few dud games in the late afternoon and missing all the good games because I was in uni class or something. Um, Craig Anderson says, my memories are taking two weeks off the group stage, watching all the games in the morning into mid-afternoon and having the rest of the day myself. Good times. Um, Ian Kelly of Multicoloured Productions. Um, he just said, my main memory of Roy Keenan exit from Republic of Ireland. And last one, John Walker, um, who took time away um, from slagging off uh, um, the guy who talks about Jamie O'Hara. Uh, initially wanted England to do well because I love Beckham. Then as soon as they went off, I guess, was all panicking because I thought they might. Haha. <laughs> Watching England get binned out in my fifth-year mass p- double period, basically doing zero to school <laughs> classes for two weeks. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> to be there, fair, there was Junior uh, winding down at school. <laughs> aye, uh, there, there was one other one. Uh, Andy, the, the Rangers fan, has been on the podcast. He's he's SF he one. said, "Yeah, he said Spain knocking the Robert Ireland out in penalties. That was his favourite bit." It's Northern Irish. To be wasn't fair. My fa- yeah, wasn't my favourite bit. But... <laughs> um, but no, thanks very much, guys, for the contributions. Um, so just very quickly, I know I went over there that a lotted, but um, <laughs> where do we start with this World Cup? I mean, it's. I think it's some of the football's been okay, but there's been a lot of crap games. Um, a lot of first halves have been poor. But who do you think's going to win it? Who's standing out to win it right now? Because it's people were saying Spain at the start of the tournament, and they've not been great in the last two games, losing to Japan and only just scraping by. Um, people were saying France, but they rested half the team against Tunisia and came unstuck. Um, Brazil have looked okay, but not great. Um, Argentina, poor start, starting to get in the groove. Who do you think is going to win it now? I said when I wrote Japan? my blog, it was hard to pick. And although my blog now looks ridiculous because I did pick Argentina and Germany in the final, I stand by that point. It is, I cannot pick a team to win this tournament now. I thought you were going to say you stand by that prediction. As I, <laughs> I think you need, you need another look at today's results. Argentina could probably still win it. Yes, yeah, so Argentina can. Uh, let's face it. Uh, Germany can still get to the final. Argentina could win it. Brazil could win it. England could win it. Ugh. Um, like the, the Dutch can pro- win it? Yeah, the, the Dutch could win it. And and Germany can't. Poland can't win it. No chance. Poland are shit. I, 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 I hate the fact that, I, that I'm torn by that one because the Polish in me wants Poland to do well and the rest of me wants me to get papped out because they're dreadful to watch. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think it's... And it could even be a shock, you know. We could get something like Greece and Euros. Do you know what I mean? That kind of capable where somebody just kind of sneaks in. You get a dark horse. Um I said Brazil to begin with, begin with, so I'm going to stick with Brazil. Uh, mm. But yeah, you wouldn't be surprised if the second round they get popped out of someday. So it's it's kind of I think it's it is a kind of a, an open race more than mm. I, I thought France would win the previous World Cup, and they did. I've not got the same confidence. Um, I think it's a it is a, a, an open wider field. Yeah. 
I mean, we've went from um, you know being fearful when Spain plays Scotland um, to maybe thinking that actually <laughs> we might have a chance. Yes, but that's a story for another day. But my tip is that Japan have shown the way. Aye, exactly. Um, but I said Brazil to start. I'm going to stick by that. But I need to clarify something here. I know it ended up not getting to that, but we had this situation four years ago in the scenario where. Two teams have exactly the same record, drew against each other, same goals scored, etc. Um, what do you think should be the divider if it's not going to be the less booking rule? Shots on target. <laughs> I, I slated Danny Murphy. I continually slate Danny Murphy. But he said that last night and it's about the only thing I've actually agreed with him. Mm. On. That's, that's a far better decider for encouraging attacking football than what we got to see last night where Poland were doing nothing because they didn't want to get booked. Yeah. It was the same when Japan played, ironically, Poland. Because Japan actually did go through on this um, bookings um, carry-on yeah. um, ahead of Senegal. Was, yeah. But Poland were happy to risk that last night, um, or on Wednesday as, we, as this podcast goes out. Um, and it's just not what you want to see. You know, it was thankful, thankful Saudi Arabia got the goal that made it... Um, Beyond yeah. doubt, although I was hoping Saudi Arabia got another couple to not keep pulling out together, to be honest with you. That would have been more enjoyable from a neutral perspective. I'd have hated that again. I'd have been, again, mixed feelings on that one. But I, uh, I could see I could see why they did that. I could see why this, it was a kind of on a, 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 a thought process. Well, we want to keep kind of as much fair play as possible and all the rest of it. Um, and listen, whatever you decide, there's probably ways of getting around it. You know, if you decide the shots on target, a team's just going to hit a shot, 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 shot from every single part of the field and Great. just try to get I'll, it on I'll target. Watch target. That. But that's what I was about to say. As like, but if you're going to kind of cheat around the system, I'd rather watch it getting cheated around that way than I would just not putting in a tackle and not get it because it's there is passion, there's atmosphere in a game, and you kind of lose all that if you're not actually doing anything just so you don't get booked. Incidentally, Scott has sent us a group chat um, video of that Billy Dodds header, which it's, wasn't... Was it that? that, was that it was uh, Dundee United. I do remember the header now, so I, I yeah. take it for that. It was a great header, but forget it was still better. Yeah, no, no, forget <laughs> it. It's better than being David Park, obviously, to be in a World Cup. Uh, yeah. but it doesn't take away the skill of the header, but forget his skill in the header and who he was up against, Maldini, as opposed to Darren Dodds. Um. It was just when you, when you went, we mentioned like, headers, that would always pops into my head for some reason. It's it a, a good header, but yeah, it's I mean, just the one that always pops into my head. What, what do you mean by Derma Park or the World Cup? If you're David Wallerspoon, <laughs> you get both. <laughs> well, there you yeah. well, until no, today, anymore, is it? well, yeah, but you've still got to be there. I mean, th- th- this World Cup has seen both St. Johnson and St. Murren have their very first uh, players play at the World Cup. That's brilliant. It's, it's funny right. because when you think of, I talk about this World Cup, a lot of people fancied Canada, and it's I think it's obviously an experience thing that's kind of caught up with them. Yeah, but a lot of people were saying, "Oh, out of all the North American teams, they'll be the one that does the kind of the best this, that, and the next thing." And it's just they'll be better in the World clicked. Cup. Aye. Yes, aye, in four years' time, I think the States will be better in the World, their World Cup as well because yeah. they look a wee bit inexperienced as well, not mm-hmm. quite as bad as uh, the Canadian inexperience. The Canadian inexperience was just reminiscent of Celtic in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, this is really nice, you're doing really well. You're, I mean, you're creating yeah. chances, but you're not taking any. Oh, you've been picked off. Yeah, Ian King's right. had a lot of good, um, a lot of stuff to work on out there because he's been coaching out in Canada since 2016. He gave up journalism and a brief spell as Airdrie. Um, Chief executive to go out there, and he's loving it. 
you know, you know the thing that burst my head about Canada. The very first game I was watching them do the, their anthem, and I looked, I, I glanced at the telly and went, "Is that that astronaut guy, Chris Hadfield?" I went, "Nah, can't be. Maybe it's just a coach that looks like him." Then I seen it. They're t- tweeting in the second game. It is part of the coaching staff. <laughs> so, so, but the, so he's also written a crime fiction book because it's on yeah. a table bog hop. So he's obviously and everything in his he's up it's in space weird. and then he's coaching football teams and writing. And because he's a guy that did the the, the um, space oddity video and on the I at the National Space Station. So it just it, it does everything. He's everything. Yeah. He's a man of all trades. <laughs> I I I can appreciate that. Yeah. I've put my hand to quite a few things over my years. Right, well, we're loving going off on a tangent, but we will only end this at some point. So let's just wrap, wrap up um, this World Cup throwback 2002 um, just by saying, um, just by giving your brief thoughts on what makes this tournament special for you guys to wrap up. I could have already said it was Ronaldo in Brazil, kind yeah. of that, that kind of redemption. Yeah. For me, it was, it was it's another World Cup with lots of stories, and a lot of the stories involved shocks, and we got it from day one with Senegal. Uh, and it continued all the way through to South Korea's journey uh, up to the, the semi-final and, and even Turkey. Um, so yeah. for me, that, but I, yeah, the, the redemption story of Ronaldo. Um, and I suppose a wee bit of David Beckham as well. Yeah. Aye. And um, yeah, it was a, a great end of the story for Ronaldo because he ended up getting a move to Real Madrid off the back of it and he did very well there. So, but listen, guys, thanks very much for um, your time. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the last of our World Cup throwback series for this time. And we'll do these again in four years. <laughs>